Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Listen, before I start, I do want to tell you something. I had a really strange week. Uh, I left here last Sunday and had to do a funeral, so I missed the varsity. So I hope everybody enjoyed it because I didn't. Anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, uh, I did do a funeral right after the service on Sunday. And, um, and I also, it's really strange, uh, one of my friends, uh, the person that basically raised them, uh, passed away. And I went to a funeral on Monday, and then I got a call. And my uncle had passed away in Tennessee, so I drove on Tuesday, and on Wednesday I did his funeral as well. And then Thursday I went to another funeral of Connor's grandmother. Uh, and so I want to tell you guys something. Let me just say this, and this is this is all free. It's worth what it's probably worth what I'm getting ready to tell you. But uh, listen, um, life is way too short to hold grudges. Life is way too short to live angry. Life is way too short to live bitter. Life is way too short. And I didn't see this universally, but in almost every one of those situations, I saw people that really didn't get along with each other, and they were holding some kind of grudge, and they felt heavy guilt. Don't live your life with heavy guilt. Live your life free. Can I tell you something? The Scripture says in the Old Testament that we shouldn't allow a root of bitterness to make, make its way into us. And what that root of bitterness is, is something happens, and we've got to kick, kind of have it down in here. And then we, that thing grows and grows and grows. And what it does is it becomes kind of part of your personality. We all know people that are bitter people, don't we? Don't, don't become like that. Allow Christ to touch that part of your life too. It's way too short. Life is way too short. Don't live with regrets. And I always tell you this. I always want to encourage you with this. Don't make people lie about you at, their funeral, at your funeral. All right? Don't make some preacher have to get up and tell a lie. He was a great person. And everybody knows he was a piece of poo. You know what I mean? Don't do that. You know what I mean? Don't do that. I don't like people's funerals. I just don't mention certain things. You know what I mean? I kind of gloss over that thing. So listen, that's free. All right, that's totally free. So, uh, and like I said, it's probably worth uh, uh, the the cost. But listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit. Uh, We have small groups that meet here, and uh, our small group, adult small group, is this week. Students will be the following week. Hey, if you're not in a small group, you're getting about 25 or 30% of what Real Church has to offer, okay? My small group, I love my small group. I absolutely love my small group. And um, I know you may not feel comfortable going to someone else's house, or but let me tell you something, man. T- listen, put yourself on the back burner and jump into a small group. You can see me. You can see Lynn, who's in the back. Anybody who's on stage can help you uh, get into a small group. I want to encourage you to do that. Something else I often have to say, and we, Lynn and I forget this all the time because, you know, we don't, we don't always remember, but you may notice we don't take up an offering here. We don't take up an offering here um, because when we first started this church three years ago, we decided that we didn't want to guilt people into giving, and we just decided, God, if you're calling us to do this, we're going to trust you every step of the way, and it includes not having to pass a plate back and forth. Here's the truth. 70% of our church gives online. And I, I've been giving online for years. And if we passed a plate, everybody would be like, oh, I guess so-and-so ain't giving. You know, it's, it's an awkward feeling when it's getting ready to pass. But a lot of people give out of guilt. We don't want you to give out of guilt. We want you to give out of the uh, being obedient to God and out of the overflow. So we do have boxes sitting around in the back and outside. Uh, and, and I encourage you. 
I encourage you to be obedient to what God's called you to do, but, but we don't do that either. So we just have had several people over the last few weeks who have visited and said, hey, there was no offering. <laughs> oh, there's an offering, but we just don't, we don't, uh, and most people, like I said, 70% of people give online or, or through our app. And so just want to let you know that. Listen, we've been going through a series. We started last week. And it's called Stories. And so some of you guys may not have been here, so I want to catch you up from last week. Stories started, and it's based off of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 really briefly. Uh, oh, he does have it up there. Thank you so much, Lynn. I didn't know Lynn was going to have it up there. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we are also, since we are surrounded uh, by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, when you see a therefore in the scripture, you ask what? Why is it Therefore, you always ask, what's it there for? And so you, when it's therefore, you need to go back to the previous chapter or the previous thing that was said because it's reflecting what was said. And so it's reflecting Hebrews chapter 11, okay? Chapter 11 is all about the, the faith. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about chapter 11 today. But Hebrews chapter 11 is all about these great people of faith. And so it goes into chapter 12 and it says, therefore, so basically it's saying, because we have all these people, all these great people of faith, I want you to do this. I want you, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses because we have such a great example. Let us lay aside everything that weighs us down and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. And then we went on. To, to number two, looking unto Jesus, looking to Jesus, Jesus also is one of those examples. He's also one of those great cloud of witnesses, but he, got, he does a lot more. The author and, and finisher of our faith. And let me tell you what those two words say. The author, the author there, that actually means the originator. He is the one that originated from the very beginning. He is the originator of this faith that we have. He is the one that calls you. He is the one that originates. He originates this story that you've been saying. And I told you this last week, whether or not you identify that Jesus is the originator of your story, he is the originator of your story. It doesn't matter. God is the originator of your story, whether or not you identify it or not. Now, you may never, you may never come into a saving grace of knowing Christ. You may never follow Christ. You may never turn over your story to God. But he is, whether or not you know it or not. The Muslim in the Muslim country, God, God, the God of the scriptures, he's that person's originator too. And, and we can go on and on. I can go all over the world. The atheist, the agnostic, whatever. He's their originator too. But the second part is this, the finisher. So the finisher. And what that means is, is he is the one, the one that proves and shows an example of. So Jesus was an example. It's the supreme example of how to live your life and he will walk with you through it. That's what finisher means. It means that he's going to walk with you through it. And I told you three things. I said this, I said, our story originates with God. Our, uh, God provided an example of how to walk our story. And finally, God provided a guide along the way, and that guide is Holy Spirit. And so in this series, I want you to see various stories that are going to line up with what I'm telling you right now. And today is one of those stories. Today's one of those stories. And so I don't want to take any longer. I want to go ahead and look at the story. Now, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 2. So if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles, I'm so thankful for our students who are on the front here that's got their Bibles and notebooks, and some parents around I see got their Bibles and notebooks. They're doing great. They're doing great. So Joshua chapter 2. Now, I want to tell you the situation. 
In Joshua chapter 2, you've got a situation where the people of Israel are getting ready to enter into the promised land. They've been delivered out of Egypt. They've spent 40 years in the desert. Moses has died. Joshua is now the leader. Joshua sent spies over, came back. uh, He sent spies over to see, hey, let's see what's going on. And so they sent spies over. They went up to the town of Jericho. Now, there's two spies that were sent up to see what's going on. But you have to know a little bit more about Jericho. Now, most of the time in the scriptures, some people, I've had people ask me this. Let me ask you a question. Why would God destroy a host city? Can I tell you something? The majority of time when you see God in the scripture destroying a host city, it's because that city was a military outpost. That's why. Jericho was a military outpost. There's another time in scripture where God destroyed a city, Ai. Ai was a military outpost outpost. The military people are the ones that were at Jericho was a military outpost. And so because Jericho was the first town you encountered when you go into the promised land. And so you would look, you would look, and if you saw it geographically, you would look that that's where, of course, they would put a military outpost because it's on its way up to, to, the main, to the main city of Jerusalem. And so I want you to see that it's an outpost. They spent, Joshua spent two spies. He sent two spies up there. So here's what occurs. He sends the two spies up. The spies go to an inn. Now, the way they built, the way they built their, their towns and their cities, they would wall them off for protection. And they would build homes in the walls of the cities. So there's homes in the walls themselves, okay? This particular story we're looking at, the person who owned the home, their wall, their, their home was inside the wall. It was part of the wall. There's a window that looks out, but it was part of the wall. And so the spies went there to that location, and they were going to try to find out what was going on inside the city to prepare the people of Israel to come over and overtake them. And what they found was an amazing thing. They come up to this inn, this hotel-type thing, is that we, as we would think it. Now, I've got to tell you something else. And I'm going to try to talk about this today as, as, as nice as possible. There were other services that were provided at the end. I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to talk a lot about that, but I'm going to put, it's going to be good. I promise you. There were other services provided. Oftentimes, the innkeeper also was the one that uh, provided the services. So, these two spies come to the inn to see what's going on. And they encounter a woman named Rahab. The Bible describes Rahab as a harlot. And I want to tell you what happened next, starting in verse 8. So she has hidden the spies. The king, the king has heard that there's two spies, that the military people saw two spies going into what they thought was two Israelite spies going into Rahab's inn. The king goes to Rahab, and I'm going to back up a little bit. It says this, But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come to spy out the whole world. 
but the whole land. Rahab had, had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know uh, where, where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, maybe you can catch them. That's what it says before. So not only was Rahab a harlot, she was a liar. She was a liar. And here's the thing, you guys, and don't take this for, uh, don't take this for an excuse to be able to lie all the time, but she lied for Jesus. She lied for God. She did. You can't, you can't, some people are like, oh, well, there was something. No, she lied for God. That's what she did. So they went out and chased. And then verse 8 says this, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land uh, is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord had made a dry path for you to walk through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. Now, now uh, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all of them. And it says this, we offer our own lives as guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by the rope through the window. Escape escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all of your relatives must be there inside the house. If they go out into the streets, then they're going to be killed. It will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept uh, the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. And she said, I accept your terms. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. So you've got Rahab, who is at the window, letting them down into, uh, out from the wall. Now, don't miss the amazing the amazing symbolism here. I want you to get this. I don't want you to miss this because if you didn't think about it, you'd miss it. Rahab is put outside of her window a red rope going down. They have been let down on the rope. And what they've told her is this. They've said, we're going to come in and we're going to wipe out the whole city. But if you leave this red rope out of the wall, out of the city. We will see it. And then I'll hear, here's the part I want you to hear. Because it is so thick with symbolism and it's so thick. And when we see it, get this, we're going to pass over your home. And everyone inside will be saved. We're going to pass over that. Do you remember where that's from? Do you remember... 
the plague where they took blood and put it over the doorpost and it came through and it passed over. Death did not touch them. We do the same thing with Christ and the blood of Christ. Because God comes through. He passes over us. And the same thing was happening here with Rahab. He was passing over. He was passing over her house. But everyone had to be inside that home. Everyone had to be inside that home. So the story just gets gooder and gooder, doesn't it? So what happens next? Well, let's take a look at what happens next. They come into the town. They come in. And there's a cool thing. I, I meant so, I'm so mad at myself right now because I have a ram's horn at home. I have a small ram's horn, and my dog hates the ram's horn. If I blow the ram's horn, that dog goes nuts. Now, my dog would not bite a biscuit, really. He would not bite anybody. Today's his birthday. He's a teenager now. He's 13. So, yes, he's getting a steak. I'm going to go get him a steak and grill it for him. So I'll eat half of it, and he'll get the other half. But anyway... Um, so, so, uh, but no, listen, I will be upstairs in my office and I will take that ram's horn and I will go, and I will hear down the stairs. I kid you not. He turns into a maniac whenever that thing starts going off. I meant to bring it today because they went around this city for seven days, seven times on the seventh day, and all of a sudden the walls start falling down. Here's what happens. Look in Verse uh, chapter 6, chapter 6 of Joshua, verses 15 through 17. Chapter 6 of Joshua, verses 15 through 17. Here we go. Here's what it says. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before, but this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the blast of the horns, and all the dogs went, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. I don't guess. Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. And Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. And guess what happened? Rahab and everything in her home was protected because she protected the spies. And the rest of the city was completely destroyed. That's what happened. Has anybody ever listened to Paul Harvey? Remember Paul Harvey back? I know you don't do it anymore because he's somewhat dead. But you know, before, did you ever listen to Paul Harvey? I knew you would. He's 112 years old. Yes, I used to listen to Paul Harvey. Anyway, he did. He used to listen to Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey, Paul Harvey, I would listen to Paul Harvey sometimes, and he would, it was always come on at 5 o'clock in the afternoons when I was driving home, listening on the radio, and he says, but now I want to tell you the rest of the story. And I'd go, oh man, this is going to be really good. So now today, I want to tell you the rest of the story. The first thing I want you to know is that Rahab, because of what she had seen and what she had heard about the Israelites, Rahab was a believer that God was who he said he was. That's the first thing you need to know. Rahab was a believer. She was a woman of faith, okay? Now, here's the craziest part. Rahab, actually, when this all happened, Rahab joined joined the Israelites. She joined the Israelites. I'm going to take it one step further. Rahab joined the Israelites, and she married an Israelite. 
She married, his name is Salmon or Salmon, depending upon if you live in the north or the south, but Salmon, Salmon, whatever, married a guy by the name of Salmon or Salmon, and I don't know what it is, all right, Salmon. I'm going to call it the big ass. Or, anyway, but listen, married that guy, and I want you to hear this. He was one of the two spies that were in the house that night. How about that? Isn't that crazy? Oh, but I'm not finished. They have a son by the name of Boaz, who was the kinsman redeemer of Ruth in the book of Ruth. But it gets gooder and gooder, all right? Because I want to show you something. Let's look. Okay, so I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 5, but I'll read it for you. So she was, her son's name was Boaz, and if you go down the line, she became the great-great-grandmother of King David. Okay? The Canaanite harlot became a great-great-grandmother of King David. And so if you go over to Matthew chapter 5, I think we have it up there, Matthew chapter 5. Hopefully Matthew chapter 5 is going to be popping up. Salmon or Salmon, depending upon if you live in the north or the south, was the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Ruth. And then it says, Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David, is, is what it says. So, and, and guess what this is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. Guess what this is? This is the lineage of Jesus Christ. She, I told you it was an incredible story. She was in the lineage of Jesus Christ, and she started out as a Canaanite prostitute. That's what she did. And that's what God did for her. And she, it's it's even better than that. In Hebrews chapter 11, and we're not there yet, and I'm not going to go there yet, but I will get there in a minute. She actually is referred to in these people who have an incredible faith. Isn't that incredible? She was in the line of Christ. What in the world does this story tell you? I love to ask these questions. What does this story say about God? What does it say about me? And what am I going to do with it? That's the questions. Here's the first thing. There's no one too far gone that God can't redeem them. I want you to hear that. There's no one, there's no one too far gone that God can't redeem them. Now, Chick-fil-A doesn't do this anymore. But when I first moved here, you could take a, you could take a coupon for Chick-fil-A from 1960, and they'd take that sucker. Now, they've gone digital now. They don't do that anymore. But back in the day, I would find, I, you could find a coupon in a trash can, and it would be half torn off, and it may say FR and didn't say the EE, and they'd give you a sandwich. That's the truth. That's the truth. They wouldn't even ask questions because it's still redeemable. Alex, come up here, buddy. Come on up here, buddy. It's my friend Alex. You guys saw Alex a couple weeks ago because he was baptized. Isn't that awesome? Alex, yeah. All right, Alex, listen. You stand right here. So I have in my hand right here a $20 bill. See this? No, Alex. Nobody, no. $20 bill. Alex, do you want this $20 bill? Hold on, let me get, you need, do you need a mic? You got to talk loud. I know you can do that, brother. Do, do, you, do, you, uh, do you want this $20 bill? Sure, why not? Sure, why not, is what he said. All right. So, 
So let me ask you a question. If I take this stupid $20 bill and I scourge it up, look, it's just, look. You still want the 20? Yeah, it's a tw- he said, it's a 20. <laughs> okay, hold on a I take that and I stomp on that 20. You still want the 20? You don't want the 20? It's still a 20. He said, where have my feet been? (laughs) Dude, that's the same thing Wendy asked me every night. (laughs) Where in the world have your feet been? Alex, of course you want the 20, right? It's still, look, look, it's still a 20. Look at that, watch this. If I undo this, it's been stomped on, right? It's been messed up. Look at that. You want the money, don't you? Yeah, why? Because it's a 20, right? Yeah? You want it? Alex, you can have the 20. Have a seat, buddy. Go ahead. You can have the 20. So listen. So listen. No, mama, you don't take it. Put it in your pocket, Alex, and don't lose it. Listen. And don't get it around Ben. He'll take it. No, I'm just kidding. He won't take it. Listen. Why in the world would Alex want that 20, even though he doesn't know where my feet's been? Why would he want that 20? Can I tell you why? Here's why. Here's why. Because it doesn't matter how dirty it gets. It doesn't matter even if it's got a little rip on it. It doesn't matter how dingy it gets. It is a $20 bill. It has value no matter what. It has value. Listen, I want you to hear this. No matter what that 20's been through, no matter if it's been through the washing machine, if it's muddy, no matter what, no matter what it's been through, it still holds the value of a $20 bill. And I want you to hear this. No matter what you've been through, no matter what mud you've got on you, no matter what your history is, all those things, all those things don't matter when it comes to God because your value is still the same to him. You just have to allow him to write your story. Are you with me? Are you with me? No one, no one is too far gone. No one is too far gone that God can't redeem them. One of the interesting things about this story is, and this doesn't happen very often, it happens, I believe, with Judas one time where they say Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. But everyone else in the scriptures, listen, every time with the exception of one, I believe, Rahab, every time that Rahab is referred to in the scriptures, you know what it says? Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Wouldn't that be awful? What if you had to walk around and your name was Bob and it was like, hey, there comes Bob the adulterer. Hey, y'all, I'm Bob the adulterer. Hey, you know, know, there's Susie the gossip. Hey, Susie, what's up, girl? Come on in. What in the world? You know, there comes, uh, you you know, Joe the drunk. Come on in, Joe. David was an adulterer. It didn't always refer to David from that point forward as an adulterer. It says King David. What in the world? Why did they refer to our harlot all the time? You know, I heard Tony Evans ask this question. He says, why didn't they just leave the sister alone? You know what I mean? She turned around, just leave the sister alone. Can I tell you why? Because God wanted us to be reminded of how incredible the power of a transformed life can be. That's what he wanted. The power of a transformed life. The second thing Rahab is, is she is a huge display of God's, uh, God's grace in the flesh. A huge display of God's grace in the flesh. 
Um, sometimes I drive to Tennessee at night um, because the traffic in Chattanooga and Atlanta are from the pit of hell, and so you have to drive later on at night. There is a point where you go out of Georgia and you come back into Tennessee, and I always know when I've come back into Tennessee. Do you know why? Because you turn a corner, and there is a fireworks stand that would light up the whole town of Atlanta. Have you guys seen those? It says, fireworks! And here's the thing, the parking lot's always empty. And I always think, how in the world do they fund that big old building and all those lights? Huge lights, fireworks! Lights up everywhere. It is a huge display. You cannot miss it. If you're going through at midnight, you got to put your glass sunglasses on because it's so bright. It's like, gosh, I don't know what that bright. It's huge on the interstate. Fireworks. Can I tell you something? Rahab's life was that. God's grace. God's grace. I was a harlot from a Canaanite harlot. I believed in false gods, but I became a believer. God's grace is all over me. That's exactly what Rahab's story is all about. She should have been killed. She should have been scorned. She even lied about protecting the spies. She even lied about it to the king. She should have been all those things, but she was none of those things. Why? Because... No one is too far gone that God can't redeem, and Rahab is a display of God's grace in the flesh. And the final thing is this, and I want you to hear this. There is no test for God to use us. We just have to believe and follow. There's no test. You don't have to take a test. You just have to believe and follow. And the most of the time, you guys, I want you to understand this. Most of the time, God will... God will. It's funny because my wife used to always tell me, she used to say, she would always be, she would always, she, whenever, before when she was in high school, she was always fearful of really going all in with God because she said, I just know that he's going to send me to Africa and I don't want to go to Africa. No offense to Africa, but my wife didn't want to go to Africa. All right? She didn't want to go to Africa. She said, I just always, I thought he was going to, you know, listen, can I tell you something? Most of the time, God has placed in you gifts and talents is what the Ephesians says. He's placed in you gifts and talents anyway, and he's going to maximize those things. And if God wants you to go to Africa, he's going to put a burning desire in you to go to Africa. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. Daylin Deaton's here. She's sitting on the third row back there. She can't join as much because she works a lot on Sunday, but she goes to the small groups, and I love her. She's one of our students. Hey, Dayton, Daylin. But Daylin's going to be going to Haiti in a couple weeks. She's going to go with Connor to Haiti. A big group of about 25 are going to go to Haiti. You know, why is that? Well, she went with me a couple years back. God has laid a burning desire on her heart to go. She can't wait to go. She can't wait to get there. Can I tell you something? That makes no sense. Why would a beautiful girl with, you know, with a semi-okay-looking boyfriend and a... Love you, buddy. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding you, buddy. Um, why would someone want to take off a week of work and lose all that money and everything and have to pay 1300 bucks in order to go to a third-world country where there's no air conditioner and mosquitoes everywhere? Why is that? that make, you know why it is? Because God's put it in her heart. He has put it in her heart. Dale didn't have to take a test. You know, there was no thing. that said, hey, listen, before you go to Haiti... God wants you to take a test. You know, do you do this, do that? There's no test. All you have to do is believe and follow. That's it. Believe and follow. Maybe your heart's not to go to Haiti. Maybe it's for a coworker. Maybe it's for your kids, or maybe it's for your neighbor, or maybe it's for a teacher, or maybe it's for a student in your classes, or maybe I could go on and on and on and on and on. All you have to do is be willing to allow God 
to write your story and you will be blown away, blown away by what he does. I'm going to close with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. It says this. It says, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed when the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What was it by? By faith. Believe and follow. Believe and follow. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, God, for for loving us enough, man, to, to, it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how low we've fallen. God, we can see example after example after example of people in the scriptures who have made major mistakes, but who have come through those things because of your hand and your direction and your guiding. Lord, we pray today that you would allow us, us to believe and to follow. God, you're the originator, the author, the originator of our story, and you're the finisher of our story. We just have to give you the pen. God, let us give over the pen of our lives and let you continue to write our story. And God, don't let us put a period where you put a comma. Don't let us try to finish out a chapter where you're not done yet. And God, when you are done with the chapter, let us follow you and move to the next one. Let us be wholly trusting in you, God. We believe and declare, Lord, that you are sovereign over our lives. And God, we give it over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up. The altar's open. Let's stand up. If you need prayer, I'm here for you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.